Good morning, everyone. It's just really great to see you all and to be trusted with the pulpit. And welcome to those online, as John has already said. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Carl was actually speaking on generations and that we are an intergenerational uh, church. And I thought, well, actually, that's quite appropriate then because he's in his middle third of life. John was last week, and you're still in your first third of life, and I'm in my third third of life. <laughs> Woohoo! You know, so it's intergenerational. Yeah. Actually, you might not know that there's five stages in a woman's life. There's the time to grow up. There's the time to fill out. There's the time to slim down. There's the time to hold it in. And then there's the time to heck with it. <laughs> Funny thing, I was out for lunch with a friend recently, an old friend, and uh, I sort of nodded and pointed at two elderly ladies across the room and said, that'll be us in 10 years. And she said, Jill, it's a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, heck. Anyway, I'll tell you what, though. Growing old is not all bad news. In fact, for the first time in my life, I could grow a moustache if I wanted to. (laughs) You'll understand, girls, when you get old. Anyway, seriously, I want to start with something that God laid on my heart uh, a few weeks ago now, actually, and it was come about in a really weird way because I was actually looking. We've got a drawer in our computer desk at home that's full of colouring and things and papers and stuff for the grandchildren. And I was looking in there and I was watching, looking at the, how the crayons were looking and stuff. And some of them were looking in really pristine condition. Some were obviously very popular and got very short. And some were broken. And the thought came to my mind, actually, but they all can still fulfill their purpose. Right. So if there are a red crayon, they still colored in red, no matter their size or their condition. And I kind of felt in my heart that that was something for us, that we have to realize that the purpose in our life is fulfilled no matter what stage we're at or where we're at. Because I really think that um, some people, well, actually I'd expect, extend that to most of us at some time or other have put restrictions on our life out of our mind regarding thinking we're not experienced enough, we're not uh, intelligent enough, we are too broken by what something has done to us or we're still carrying shame for something that we have done. Look, I'll tell you what on those two. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection has taken care of all of that. By his sacrifice, we can know fullness of life again, regardless of our past. If we have truly repented, if we walk in obedience to Christ, then because of the cross and the work of the resurrected Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit... We are new creations, and we can fulfill our God-given purpose. We can make a positive difference in our world. 
And some are worried about age. You know, they think they're either too young, oh, I wish, or too old. You know, age isn't important unless you're a cheese or a wine. And age means nothing to God. I love the fact that when Jesus fed the 5,000, it was a young boy that provided the loaves and the fishes. And do you know that Noah was 600 years old when it started to rain? That is quite old. But the enemy loves to keep us on the sidelines. And he feeds our insecurities. Good news, God doesn't wait for us to be perfect. Or none of us could do anything. But he gives us the Holy Spirit so we can fulfill our purposes at whatever stage we are at. Now, I know there are different seasons and different roles in our lives over the years, but in God, everyone is a difference maker, a piece of the puzzle. You are a difference maker, and we need to believe it, live it, and share it. Don't stay out of the game. Get back in the game and your confidence in God. I love that we're an international, international, yeah, that too, I love that, but intergenerational church, because we are the family of God. And surprise, surprise, family have generations. So each of us has a part to play, and every person is important, because God wants to work in, through, and with us. Regardless of our age, our gender, our nationality, it does mean, though, that just like in a natural family, we have to learn to get along with people in different stages. We learn to, need to learn to respect and have tolerance. I mean, for example, some of us older people, you might find, I've changed there, some of the youth's music might not be quite you know, what you would like, uh, either in style or volume. But we can tolerate it. We can enjoy it because of their enthusiasm, because of their energy. And I just love that they're worshiping God, and I don't care how they do it, if they're worshiping God and bringing glory to his name. Older people, we need to realize that actually the young people have to put up with things that aren't their style too. And they might look at us and think, boring. But they can appreciate our faithfulness, sincerity, wisdom, and that we've done the hard yards and worshiping God, bringing glory to his name. For us older ones, you might think the youth are a little out there, but as a family, we so need your energy and enthusiasm. And some might say, oh, but they're so immature. Well, yes, but do you remember when you were young? I sure do. Let me give you one example. Just one, I've got lots I could choose. But... uh, I'll share one. I went straight from year 12, end of sixth form, to Teachers College and part-time university. 
And later that year, I went on my first teaching section to Kashmir High. And after only about two or three days, the teacher I had been assigned to got sick, and the principal asked me, unaware obviously that it was my first section, that uh, would I take the classes? Jill says, oh yes. <laughs> now, you've got to understand I was 17, all right? My best friend was in the seventh form at that school. But it's okay, the first class I took was, uh, uh, was actually a year 12, and they were fantastic, and it was kind of great. The next class I took was a year 11, fifth form. And uh, I, I, I had taught a little bit, and then I gave them a task to do. And I started walking around the class, you know, because I'm so experienced and know that's what you do. Anyway, and most of them were getting on with it, but not all, and I could see I recognise the naughty ones, I don't know how, but I do recognise the naughty ones. And I saw that lad, and I was actually sort of heading towards him to actually tell him to knuckle down. And he didn't know where I was, but he picked up his compass, now not a north-south one, a mathematical compass with the point. And he picked it up, and he jabbed it into the backside of the boy in front of him. He put it, who screamed, and he put it down, and he's kafooring away, not only totally underwear, that I'm right behind him, and I pick it up and jam it into his bottom. <laughs> I know, maybe a little bit immature. <laughs> but actually, he knew he deserved it. He didn't, he didn't complain at all, and everyone thought it was fantastic, and they all settled down to work, and I never had any more trouble. <laughs> so yes, it was a little immature, but did I have the makings of a good teacher? Yes. <laughs> did I love God and love people? Yes, and was I happy to share the hope and of my Saviour? Yes. We're all difference makers, each with their own purposes. Now, you might ask, what is your purpose? Now, whilst there is no way I can describe your individual purposes, only God knows that and he reveals it to you, there are some general ones that everything falls under. When Jesus was asked which is the greatest commandment in the law, he replied with this. It's Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And then I want to marry that with the great commission that he gave when he was talking to his disciples post-resurrection. I have, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you to the end of the age. Loving God, being in relationship with him, worshiping him, growing in our understanding of his love for us, allowing him to work in our lives, that's our greatest purpose. That's our greatest purpose. The reality is God works in us. As he works in us, we can work out. Now, I learned fairly early on in our pastoring that when people started to not look very beautiful, in fact, sometimes plain ugly, that actually I needed to make time to get aside and gaze on the beauty of God. And that was in that time of just relaxing in his love, looking at his amazing glory, realizing his everlasting love and and that the whole thing of his creation, then I could start to see that they were beautiful again. Actually, I vividly remember God reminding me of this truth. It was 2005. I must have been 30 by then. Um, 2005, and I, we were away on holiday. I, I'll cut it short. Okay, we were up at Pahara. Third day of rain, I was walking along and fell and hurt my ankle. Did go to the doctor, but it was misdiagnosed. And um, anyway, so I carried on tenting for a fortnight with a broken ankle, undiagnosed. Long journey home. After I got home, it was so sore and swollen and everything. I thought, I'd better go to the doctor. Went to the doctor went for a scan, and of course it was broken. Got the concrete on, the cast, and um, that was fine. Then a couple of days after that, I really struggled with my breathing. I just couldn't, I couldn't breathe, couldn't breathe. And long story short, it turned out that um, when they took me to hospital that I had an extensive bilateral pulmonary embolism which meant that the main artery uh, that was feeding both the lungs was blocked by a blood clot. So obviously I'd had DVT and it had travelled. Well, <clears throat> had a few days on holiday, oh, on holiday, yeah, on holiday at hospital. And um, uh, anyway, as I was coming right, one of the first things I went to was a women's event that I had organised but didn't have to do anything at, and I went along to it. Now, I was still on crutches at the time, and I went sort of, was trying to go from table to table as you do to say hi to people and everything else, and time I got home, I was in so much pain, and I was so exhausted, I was crying tired, and I remember going into the bedroom and flopping, (laughs) literally, on the bed, and crying and complaining to God. Yes, I know it surprised you, but I do do that sometimes. <laughs> who, who doesn't? <laughs> I see no hands. Um, I was complaining, and I, and I remember crying out to God and saying, God, all I want to do is have enough energy to be there for people, to meet people's needs. Is that too much to ask? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me really clearly, not audibly, but in my brain. And he said, Jill, you have got everything you need in order to do what's really important. Loving God and loving others. 
I was crying again then, but not from tiredness, just for a little bit of a rebuke, really, which was really honest. And I thought it was so important for me to remember then and now at times that my doing is not as important as my being. And it's a really good thing to know and to go with. I do love how Colossians 1, 9 to 10 puts it. Look at this. Ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Isn't that cool? That's really cool. And I've just popped in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want us to take a look at a young girl and the account of her is in 2 Kings, verses 5, 1 to 3. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Abram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Now the girl acted even though she was small. Many times we discount what we can do because we think we are too small or powerless to make a difference. Now this girl, and we don't even know her name, was a slave, the lowest anyone could be in the social standing. She was an outsider, she was a Jew living in Syria. And she was young, probably 11 or 12. A female in a male-dominated culture By the standards of the day, she had nothing going for her. She had no power, no position, and no possessions. The only thing she had was her faith, and that was enough. That was enough. She acted even though what she could do was so small. You think about it, as a member of the king's court, Naaman had access to all the very best physicians around, but nothing had worked. This servant girl couldn't heal him, couldn't even ease the pain. In fact, probably couldn't even talk to him. All she could do was make a suggestion to her mistress. Yet, she didn't let the seeming insignificance of that stop her. She did it. So instead of being discouraged by what she couldn't do, she did what she could do. And we need to do likewise. 
The account goes on to tell us, it's actually it's a really interesting story because there's another servant who had to get on the act as well, but um, goes on to tell us Naaman's skin was restored fully, but more importantly, that in that moment he realized that God was the one true God. And he sought to worship him for the rest of his life. One small person doing one small act made a big difference in his life. Here's some other things we can learn from her example. Number one, if you want to make a positive difference, be confident, not in your own ability, but in the God you love and serve. The mistress listened because the girl believed in what she told her. We have a great God. Live like you believe it. Number two, if you want to make a positive difference, be credible. If the servant had not served her mistress well, she would have not had the courage to speak up, or even if she had, the mistress wouldn't have paid any attention. The reality is, people pay more attention to how you live than to what you say. But we do need to say things, and that's number three. If we want to make a positive difference, speak to people's needs. Everyone needs hope and help, even powerful people. And number four, if you want to make a positive difference, don't be afraid to do something even if it seems small. Because only God knows the impact that small act can make. So no matter what age or stage, loving God and others, living a life of integrity and obedience to God always has the potential of positively impacting others. What a great purpose to have. What a great God we serve. Noah was selected by God to build the ark because of the way he lived. His obedience didn't benefit just him, it benefited his whole family, and it benefited us still. Because of covenant with Noah, with God, we can be assured that we are safe from a worldwide destruction of a flood. We are still receiving the benefit that came from one man's life of righteousness. I think of that every time I see a rainbow. It's amazing. And you and I can also benefit future generations. We can change our corner of the world when we serve people, when you influence them positively. You create a chain of impact that can can outlive you. With one person, God can always make a difference. Sort of wrapping up, Let me ask you a question. How do you judge if you've had a good day? Just think about it. I don't want you to yell out any answers, but just think about it. Answer it in your head. How do you judge if you had a good day? If you have ticked everything off your to-do list? I, I mean, I love that. When you've had time to do something you really wanted to do? Well, that's great too. When you've sealed a successful business deal, when you've been to the beach, 
when you've been shopping, when your team won, all these things are great and should be celebrated. However, if we are living a life of purpose, then I believe we need to judge our day a little differently. For example, if you used your words to build someone up, if you made someone feel loved and of value, if you planted hope today in a hopeless heart, if you caused a laugh that chased some tears away, if someone's burden was lighter because you did your part, then your day has been well spent. Love, live, share. Let's pray. Mighty God, Father, I thank you that you choose to work in us and through us and with us. What an amazing privilege that is to have the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the heavens and the earth interested in our own life and working through us. God, I pray, especially want to pray for those people that even as I spoke of sidelining ourselves that have been doing that. Holy Spirit, I pray, quicken in their heart their worth, their value, their ability in you. God, let them get off the sidelines and get back in the game, knowing no matter what something small that they can have make a positive difference in the lives of those around them. Almighty God, let there be a cleansing of the self-discriminating thoughts. Almighty God, Lord, we thank you that you do choose to use us and that you've placed us in unique places because we've got unique plans. Thank you that no matter what we've been through, what we're going through, how old we are, that we can still fulfill those amazing purposes, loving you, loving others, sharing the hope that Jesus Christ has given each one of us. Amen and amen. Thank you.